You're listening to Redemption City Church. For more information, check us out at redemptioncitychurch.com. Turn with me in your Bibles, please, if you can, to Psalm 40. Psalm 40, 40. And uh, just was stirred in God for this morning. We had an incredible year this year. And beyond that, an incredible finish to the year with, uh, with all that happened in the last quarter. I'm going to run it down for you real quick. August 21st, we started our interns. And that was an incredible thing. Apparently only I think it was, Matt. So you've got, cha- you got a challenge with the rest of the church, bro. But I think it was a good thing. So anyway. Okay, August 21st, we started our RCC interns. September 1st, we had kickoff Sunday, which is always a big Sunday for us. September 1st, we also appointed deacons. September 8th, we went to two morning celebrations here in the morning. October 19th and 20th was our Redemption City Church Leadership Summit. November 3rd, we added Patrick and Samantha onto our pastoral, uh, onto our pastoral team, onto the eldership team. November 24th, last weekend, we closed out our internship with the interns preaching on the Hebrews 6, on three, the first three of the Hebrews 6 foundational doctrines. What an incredible year it was. What an incredible last quarter it was. And uh, you know, I've said this a few times when I've spoken to my buddies in the ministry, my buddies that lead churches, and I've told them all that we did in the last quarter of last year. Most of them have been like, man, we would have loved to see that happen in a year in our church. And actually, we stacked it all up in those last three months. I do want to say this, though, um, that we do it prayerfully. You know, as an eldership, we, we gather, we pray through these things. We feel like God's stirring us. We pray through these things. And... You know, we, we, we definitely do want to lead with wisdom, but we are never going to allow our, our uh, if I can say this, our, our, just our wisdom and our kind, of, our kind of self-preserving or whatever that is to limit what God requires of us. And so if God speaks, we're going to go and we're going to trust Him for the difference and live with the consequences. And all of those things that we did in the last quarter of last year, we all felt like we're in response to something that God said to us along the way. Could we have spread them out a little bit? We probably could have. But what would the fun have been in that? You know what I mean? So there we go. Sandy and I are incredibly grateful for this community, man. We, we, we really are. We counted a privilege to be part of this church. Uh, never mind leading it. We just, we honestly do just counted a privilege. God added such amazing people throughout the year. So grateful for all that God has done in and through this church. So this morning I wanted to just to take a little bit of a breather, to slow it down a little bit. And uh, with all that busyness, we're going to read through Psalm 40. We're going to break bread afterwards, and uh, let's see where we go. Is that all right? Okay, Psalm 40. You all are quiet on me this morning. Is it, cold? Is it the cold? Is it, what's going on here? It's Thanksgiving. Still in a turkey coma from Thanksgiving. All right. Okay, Psalm 40, Father, we love you as we approach your word. We ask that you lead us and guide us, touch us and change us. Open our hearts, Father, to what it is you want to do this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Psalm 40, I waited patiently for the Lord. 
He turned to me. Sorry, uh, let me start again. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, who does not look to the proud, to those who turn aside to false gods. Many, O Lord my God, are the wonders you have done, the things you planned for us. No one can recount to you. Were I to speak and tell of them, they would be too many to declare. Sacrifice and offerings you did not desire, but my ears you have pierced. Burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not require. Then I said, Here I am, I have come. It is written about me on the scroll. I desire to do your will, O my God. Your law is within my heart. I proclaim righteousness in the great assembly. I do not seal my lips, as you know, O Lord. I do not hide your righteousness in my heart. I speak of your faithfulness and salvation. I do not conceal your love and truth from the great assembly. Do not withhold your mercy from me, O Lord. May your love and your truth always protect me, for troubles without number surround me. My sins have overtaken me, and I cannot see. They are more than the hairs of my head, and my heart fails within me. Be pleased, O God, be pleased, O Lord, to save me. O Lord, come quickly and help me. May all who seek to take my life be put to shame and confusion. May all who desire my ruin be turned back in disgrace. May those who say to me, aha, aha, be appalled at their own shame. But may all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who love your salvation always say, the Lord be exalted. Yet I am poor and needy. May the Lord think of me. You are my help and my deliverer. Oh my God, do not delay. What an amazing psalm. You know, the church prayed the psalms for about the first 1800 years of its existence. Just an amazing thing to read through and think through. And, and I often will do a as part of my devotional reading, we'll read Psalms and Proverbs at least once in the year. Psalm 40 breaks down into these six sections. I don't know how far we're going to get. I've got three of them uh, in the first meeting, so two and a half, okay. Uh, Psalm 40 breaks down into these six sections. Looking backwards, verse 1 to 3. Looking upwards, verses 4 and 5. Looking inwards, verses 6 and 8. Looking outwards, verse 9 through 11. Looking around, verses 12 to 15, and looking forward, verses 16 to 17. What an amazing psalm. And it shows us, the, 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 the Bible has always put an emphasis on where we look. What do you see, Jeremiah? And then the book of Hebrews tells us, fix your eyes on Jesus. So this thing of where we see is absolutely important to us. So let's jump right into it. The first point is this, looking backwards. And we see those first three verses. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear Him and put their trust in Him. So this is not the looking backwards and longing for what was. Does that make sense? It's not looking backwards and longing for what was. This is looking back and recognizing the amazing things that God has done for us. We learned something in this about waiting on God. Faith-filled expectation is the way that we wait on God. God will always look for those who wait on Him in His way because it shows an active trust in Him. When we're waiting on God, expecting God, 
faithful, waiting for God to move. There's this expectation and an active trust in Him. The Latin title for this psalm is Expectance Expectavi, which indicates both, both eagerness and patience. In a sense, it's doubling of the verb. Expectantly, I expected the Lord to move. Does that make sense? So we can look back. We can look back at our salvation. We can look back at the good things that God has done. And even as we trust Him for things right now, we have to ensure that we are expectantly expectant for God to move. When we do that, we will live lives that create opportunities for Him to act. As an early believer, one of my buddies said to me, TK, this is what I feel like God is asking of you. He's asking you to live this life that in a sense demands a faith response from God. Not living comfortably, not living within yourself, not li- but living out there where you're putting yourself out there so much into the, into the will, into the purpose of God, that it is almost demanding a faith response from heaven. That was cool, it was a word for me, but I want to say truthfully, I think that's how every believer should live. Every believer should live like that, where we are constantly living in that place where we're expecting God to move. Constantly living in that place where we're like, okay, Lord, if you don't show up, this is going to be a hot mess. You doing all right? When we can live like that, we look, we look backwards, we see all that God has done. It stirs us to look upwards in worship and prayer. Verse 4 says this, Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, who does not look to the proud, to those who turn aside to false gods. Many, Lord, my God, are the wonders you have done, the things you have planned for us. None can compare with you, where were I to speak and tell of your deeds, they would be too many to declare. See, when we look back and we see what God has done, then it's easy to look up and see the bigness and the greatness of our God. And I want to say this, that looking up in worship and adoration is an act of choice. Looking up in worship and adoration is a deliberate choice, in spite of situation and circumstance. I love that song, Christ Alone, Cornerstone. That's outside of what our current situation or circumstance could be. When we look back and we see the greatness of God, our our next natural indication is to look up in adoration. I want to say this, though. I think what we call worship, I don't know if I've really got the right language for this, but what what we tend to call worship, the singing of songs for 25 minutes or 30 minutes on a Sunday morning, I want to say I think that is the simplest form of worship. Far more profound is a lifestyle of worship, a lifestyle that is constantly looking up, constantly recognizing God, constantly seeing all that God has done, constantly putting our faith in God and living that faith out. And I tell you what, friends, when we can get to that, then it doesn't matter if I'm a business guy, a school teacher, a university professor, a stay-at-home mom, whatever it is, if we're in that place of looking back and going, look at all the amazing things God has done. Isn't God good? And we're pointing upwards in worship and adoration. I want to tell you, friends, that's a lifestyle of worship. And then everything we do can be seen as worship. Are you doing okay? So it's not about just like 20 or 30 minutes on a Sunday morning. This is about a lifestyle of constantly understanding what God has done and constantly looking up to Him in worship and adoration. The next couple of verses talk about looking inwards. Verse 6, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but my ears you have opened. Burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not require. Then I said, Here am I, I have come. It is written about me in the scroll. Here's the line. I desire to do your will, 
my God. What an incredible line. I desire to do your will, my God. Your law is within my heart. When we look back and look up, our next natural in- inclination should be to look inward. Now let me just say this, man. I, I, I'm not a very introspective guy. You know. I, I'm just like, I, I, really, I really am not. I, I move on quickly from stuff. I don't internalize stuff. I'm not very like internal. You know, if I, if I do something wrong, if I disappoint somebody, I hurt someone, I'm like, oh, sorry, bro, and I move on. Do you know what I mean? It's just like there's, there's not a lot, but this is not what this is talking about. It's not about talking about this thing. I've just always been introspective and, and in your own head and in your own fields. It's not about that. What it's saying is for us to examine ourselves and ask ourselves the question, that line, I desire to do your will, O oh God, is that true of me? Every day. Are you doing okay? Because I tell you what, that's the, that's the mission drift. Am I keeping you busy, Tashina? Would you? Okay. Every time, every time Tashina puts two hands on the baby, I move. And then she gives me this really disappointed look and shifts the camera. She's doing a great job. <laughs> But it's not, so it's not about that. It's not about being introspective, but it is about self-examination. I, I love what Dudley would always teach us this thing. Psalm, uh, Psalm uh, Matthew 6, 33 says this. We all know it well. You know, uh, um, gee, I've got stuck in my... Seek first the kingdom of God. <laughs> Seek first the kingdom of God. And I love the way that Dudley would always explain it to us because Dudley would always say, in all things... Big and small, seek first the kingdom of God. In all things, big and small, seek first the kingdom of God. And I want to tell you, friends, sometimes that's the difficulty. Sometimes the bigger things are easy, right? But it's the smaller things. It's the private things. It's the things when no one's looking or nobody's going to know or nobody's going to notice. It's in those moments that only we can answer that question. Am I desiring to do your will, O God, every minute of every day as we go forward. You doing okay? Big things are easy. The public things are easy. But we have to constantly give God access to all areas of our lives. Constantly give God access to all areas of our lives. Otherwise, we live with this kind of Christianity that's changing the, la- changing the label on the outside of the bottle. Right? It's just behavior. And I'll tell you what, man. You know, it's like we, we, we show up here on a Sunday, we use certain Christian words, we say amen at the right time, we dress in a certain way, we do this, we do that, but actually inside there's very little change. And actually that's not what we see God require of us, especially when we read this line, I desire to do your will, O God. It's an inward work that works out through us and changes our behavior. Christianity is not about behavior modification. It's not. We, we, we wrestled with this. Sandy said I didn't do a good job of explaining it just now, so I'll do a little bit better. I'm going to do a little bit better. I always tell people I don't need a conscience. I've got a wife. Well, I started off low. Now it's only up, right? Okay. But, but you know, when we had, when we had boys and, and we, were convinced, we were convinced that it, it was 
boys were part of what we wanted. And so there was a lot of discussion in our home about these boys, believe me. And, but, but one of the things that we had to wrestle with, with this was, I, and, and I made this statement, it's a broad statement, don't take the, take, take the heart of it or not whatever. Uh, but I said this, I would rather have my kids grow up unsaved than religious. And I'll tell you why. Because religious people are the hardest people on planet Earth to reach. Here's why. They think they're right. Religious, self-righteous people are the hardest people on planet Earth to reach because they think they're right, they think they know it all, and they think they've got it all under wraps. Does that make sense? And so there was a, as we move forward in that, and I, I'm going to try and explain it a little bit better, and I hope I do. It, it, it wasn't about the heart of that matter. Obviously, we loved them and discipled them and pointed them towards God. But it's in the, it's, it's in the minute details of that. We never expected them to behave a certain way or dress a certain way or force them into any of those things. Does that make sense? Heart, absolutely. Loving them, absolutely. Discipling them, absolutely. You know what I'm saying? But not forcing this religious rubber stamp on them. You have to, you have to, you have to, so that you look like a good Christian. You have to, you have to, you have to, because you're a PK. Right? We are, listen, a preacher's kid. And, and, and truthfully, a lot of preacher's kids end up wanting nothing to do with the church. A lot of them, not all of them, because we've got two here. Not all of them, but, but a lot of PKs just want nothing to do with the church because of that thing. They've been forced and squeezed, and, and it's not about that. It's not about what can I stick on the outside of you. It's about what is God doing inside of you. I desire to do your will, O oh God, is a question for us to ask ourselves and to see how that works out. God is always about remaking us. Come follow me, I will make you. Come follow me, I will make you. Are you doing okay? Okay, uh, I'm going to skip this here. I'm going to skip that one. We're going to land it like this. You doing all right? Yeah. The clock is not my friend on a Sunday morning. It's amazing. Eh? The guy that was my race mechanic that fixed my racing motorcycles, he always said, time flies when you're having fun and when you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> Tr- trying, to get my bike, trying to get my bike fixed between heats. Time flies when you're having fun and when you don't know what you're doing. So we're going to land this. We're going to break bread together. Looking forward. Verse 16, but may all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who long for your saving help always say, the Lord is great. But as for me, I'm poor and needy. May the Lord think of me. You are my help and my deliverer. You are my God. Do not delay. See, I want to say this, friends, as we, as we read through the psalm, and, we, and, we've, and we've, skipped, uh, we've skipped a few here, it's when, when we look back and we see what God's done, we look up in worship and adoration. We look inside ourselves. 
Gee, what an amazing future that creates for us, right? We've got this history. We've got this testimony of what God's done. We look up and see the bigness and the goodness and the greatness of God. We make the adjustments on the inside, and we can trust God for this preferred future. We can trust God for, the, for this amazing calling, for seeing us through when, when we've seen God act. Now listen, I, I, I'm absolutely not unaware of tough times. I absolutely know that. Sandy and I have had them in spades. Eight years of trusting God to have children. Eight years is a long time. It's just sitting there every, every month and every month and every month, knowing what God has said, and yet there's this wrestle with it every month and every month and every month. You've heard me talk about times in California where we were on staff at a big church, but because of, of some of the stuff going on and lawsuits and all of that, we were out collecting recycles in the morning, cans and bottles, and taking them to the supermarket and cashing them in so that we had lunch, so that we had money to give the kids lunch money that day. Not a week or two, years. I, I, I understand hard times. I really do. But I want to tell you, friends, when we look back and I go, God, what did you rescue me out of? Another thing that Dudley just would, would drill us and drill us again and again, it's more important what you get saved into than what you get saved out of. Wow, because what you get saved out of is your past, and if you truly get saved, it has no bearing on your future. Absolutely no, zero. It has no bearing on your future. So what you get saved out of, what you get saved into. I knew what I got saved out of. Elizabeth Taylor said this. She said, I've been rich and I've been poor. Rich is better. <laughs> I've been saved and unsaved. Saved is better. Even in the hard times, saved is better. In the, 10, in the 20 years that we've been in America, we lost both, I lost both my mom and dad in South Africa. Earlier this year, Sandy lost her mom. We're not unaware of these things. We're not unaware of the pain and the wrestles and the hard time. But I want to tell you, in that hard time, we can look back and go, God, how amazing are you? That causes us to look up. God, you are absolutely incredible. God in heaven. How can I serve you better, Lord? Teach me how to do your will. And if we can put all those pieces together, God, how much more do you want to do for us into the future? Let's stand together. We've set up, we do every week, we have the bread out and the juice out. We kind of just make it freely available. I was really stirred this morning, a lot of what God's done with us and in us this year, with us and in us over this last quarter. Aware of some of the wrestles that some of you have had, but also aware of some of the incredible celebrations that some of you have had. What an incredible thing in all that busyness for us just to hit the pause button to look back, to enjoy what God has done, to look up, see the greatness of our God, to make the adjustments inside, and to look forward to all that He has for us. We've set the bread and the juice out. I really want to encourage you to go across there, break bread with friends, with family. If anybody does want prayer, we'll have somebody come and stand with you. Tim and I are here. We can come and pray with you. Let's just take a moment. We've got a few minutes before the meeting ends. Let's take a few minutes to break bread.
Just remember what He's done. Father, we love You and we bless You. You overwhelm us and overbless us, overlove us. We are so incredibly grateful, Lord, for Your love and Your mercy and Your grace, Father. Come remind us, Lord. Come remind us this morning. Come and cause us to lift our eyes up to you in worship. Cause us to adjust heart and motivation. And then cause us, Lord, to look forward and see the amazing things you still have in your heart for us. We give you honor and glory this morning, Father, as we break bread. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well done, you guys.